Welcome to the Future Church Podcast, powered by Exponential, a podcast about innovative and emerging ideas in the North American church. With the need for the gospel in our generation, we must not look for a silver bullet approach. We believe there are many expressions to the local church, and we are seeking to discover and highlight new and effective ways that churches can impact our world with the gospel. For more information about Exponential's resources and upcoming events, visit exponential.org. Hey, welcome to another edition of the Future Church Podcast. I'm Todd Wilson, the founder of Exponential, and uh, thrilled to have you today and uh, really grateful to Jason Shepard. Thanks for being on, Jason. Glad to be here with you, Todd. Thanks for the invite. Hey, Jason is with the Church Project in Houston, Texas. Jason was one of our uh, award winners in Austin recently at the uh, Future Church Initiative gathering that we had. Jason presented the project. And uh, I have to say, Jason, I think I'm about as excited as I can be about what you're doing. I think, you know, I like to say this transition from mega to multi to micro um, and where the future is headed with micro, you're kind of representing this bridge between the two. Um, how about instead of me explaining that, why don't you explain sort of this idea of the mega and the micro, you know, in your words, house churches, but how, how that integration works? Yeah, great. Well, thanks for the introduction and the opportunity. And I, too, am very excited about what we're doing. But I was also really excited to hear all the other great things that are happening that are in worlds that we're definitely not in. I, I like to say there are some great things happening in the margins and we're sort of living in the main and trying to bring some bridges into the main. And for whatever reason, we didn't start out to be a mega church and I actually never thought we would become one, but we are one, thousands and thousands of people gathering weekly together. And uh, we are what you would define as micro and others define as micro. We call ourselves house churches. And so we would we would use the line, we're a church of house churches. We have many house churches under the umbrella of one church leadership, one church name, one church identity, uh, one church structure, though, you know, many house churches across our community. So that's Church Project. So just to, to give us kind of the scale of the numbers for a second, when you say there's thousands of people, that means thousands gathering on Sunday in one location in the house churches. What Give us the large part of it for a second. Yeah, I mean, there would be eight or 10,000 people who are regularly, at least monthly, connected in something that we're doing, whether that is a house church every week or Sunday gathering every week. And so on a weekend gathering, we may have 3,000, 4,000 people. Um, and so some people would say the numbers are even bigger than that, uh, what would represent our regular attendance. So, yeah, thousands of people. And we have around 60 house churches in our one uh, location in the Woodlands. And then another place in Houston has their own house church centrality. And then we have those in other cities as well. So when, when we talk about the church at Houston— that is, like, I want to get my head around what that means. It, You know, if, if we go back to the Bible, the church at Ephesus, yeah. you know, there's a bunch of expressions of house church and things gathering around Ephesus. What, let's do the analogy to Houston now. Is it one church in Houston with one large gathering and then 
lots of house churches gathering? Is it multiple large gatherings? Like what's the What's the picture of the, let's start with the large gatherings, one large gathering or multiple? Well, we have multiple and you're, you're meaning specifically a church project, right? Church project now. Right. Yeah. Uh, no, we have, we have multiple just because like when we started church project 11 years ago, we started in 2010, we had 40 people that were ready together to pursue this idea. I didn't know, but about five or six of these people. And we just immediately started. We didn't build a huge core in a living room for a long time. We just said, let's go. But we, when I study church history, I see that there was both this large corporate gathering and the smaller communities that people were really fleshing out life together in. And I think we, saw, we start to see this from the beauty of the early church in Acts and then uh, there's thousands of people. But how are they doing church discipline? How are they meeting each other's needs? Uh, all that's happening in, in house churches all across Jerusalem, and that continued to spread. But they didn't neglect the large gathering. And we have seen, um, as we really started, I, as I started exploring house church 11 or 12 years ago more in depth, I really saw that there, most house church movements— or maybe microchurch even at the time, were completely disconnected from anything else. So maybe uh, 10, 15, 20 people gathered in a house church, but it lost any any power beyond that. So I felt like the, the house church expression was impotent to a great degree because there was no connectivity between house churches. And so for us to, to be both, we are a centrality one centrality of many house churches. So we have power together uh, so we can care for the leaders in all the house churches. We can disciple them. We can help meet needs that house churches can't meet on their own, but they are fully functioning. uh, Almost they're semi-autonomous, we would say. They're semi-autonomously functioning as a little church. And I can delve into that as much as you want. Yeah. And and so uh, again, at the high level, church project would refer to, and I realize we're using new terminology here, but it's in in the traditional sense of a congregation. You think of a congregation, that's the building down at such and such location. In this particular case, you do still have the big group gathering. You said up to 3,000 people in the big group gathering. Is that in a multi-site church, is the big group gathering still in multiple places or that several thousand people on a weekend in one place? Yeah, I mean, that's several. We'll have three or four thousand adults plus however many kids that are gathering in one place. They'll come to a building. Um, we'll do that because of space. We do it in two. We have a room that seats 2,000 people. We do that in two gatherings, and we're considering what yep. we're going to do next because so many people are coming. So we get the expression of corporate worship and corporate teaching, but there's really not a bridge between that and a house church. For example, there's no office to call. There's We don't have a phone number we don't have a four-year, we don't have a receptionist. It's as if we're borrowing, like the early church, they met in the temple courts, they got kicked out, and they rented Solomon's Colonnade next door. But they're, but after that, they're, they're meeting in homes throughout the week, but they'll come back together on Sunday. We're essentially doing something just like that. 
So the house church part is the front door. You're you're saying you're. It's not like you're going to go online or call a number to get to the large group gathering. The large group gathering. Most people are going to get to the large group gathering because they came through the house church part. Well, it's a both and. I mean, you know, you can get on our website and look for a church. And so a lot of people who are looking for what we're doing, I mean, they look because it's hard to find and they'll find us. And so they may come on a Sunday just to see, you know, doctrinally what we're about or what is the ethos of our church. So Sunday is a huge front door. But beyond that, it is any point of contact you reach out to us with, whether that be online or on a, a Sunday in a four-year, we'll immediately get you to a house church that you live closest to. And then how many house churches did you say are attached to or connected relationally to the large group gathering? So our one congregation in the Woodlands, that uh, one. We, have, we have 60 or so house churches right now, and we have about eight or 10 more in an incubator this summer that are going to launch. So okay. uh, we're really working to scale it, which is one of the difficulties of replicating and multiplying leadership. Um, but so we, we hope to have, we're hoping to have 80 by the end of the year. Okay. And those are, are what size are the house churches typically, av- average? Well, uh, an average would be 20 or 25 uh, adults regularly gathering. We have some that have more than that, some that have less than that. Some of yeah. that depends on their age or the stage at which they're ready to multiply. And so some of our house churches are way too big. They may have 35 adults and 20 kids coming on a week to a, a yeah. home. Uh, and then we have some that are, are smaller, whether people have moved away or they're new and they're starting. And so some may have 10 or 12 adults. So you, using the average there, you, you've probably got somewhere between fifteen and 1,800 average attendance in house churches. If I just took 25 times 70-ish, you're somewhere in that fifteen to 1,800 range. And, right. then, and then maybe double that for the total number that are in the large group gathering sort of thing. Yeah, but that's per week. So for, you know, we, we yeah. all know there are... If, if a house church is 25 adults that, that week, I mean, there there may be 40 or 50 who call it their house church, but they're out that night. Got it. Or, uh, whatever, yeah. Got it. So let I'm going to press into some of the details just of the logistics of this. So let's start with staffing. Is this a full-time paid staffing model, a volunteer model, a bivocational model? What's the staffing model look like in this uh, yeah. approach? Well, the beauty of a of a house church is those are lay leaders. So doctors, engineers, firemen, teachers, business people. Uh, these are lay people who are pastoring. So we have distributed almost 100% of the pastoral responsibility to lay leadership. And so we don't have any pastors on staff who are employed to, to pastor. Uh, the only people that we would employ would be people who oversee um, the execution and the multiplication of these things. So we do have people that are employed on staff to help oversee a Sunday gathering. But our team is very small for that. And our gathering is very, very simple because it's not the main thing we're doing. So it's not some attractional model. It's very simple. We, We need to take care of thousand kids on Sunday morning, and it that requires some oversight. And we do want to disciple kids on Sunday, um, but 
you know, kids are in house churches and nobody's being paid to take care of them. Every house church is taking care of themselves. And so uh, we, we do have some people on staff, but the beauty of a staffing model for a church, like a, a church our size across town has literally five times as many paid staff as we do. Yeah. And so we're able to hire many less staff. So I, just for perspective, what what's the full-time equivalent staff that you have? If you added up like your full-time staff, how many full-time staff are you talking about? Well, I'll let you do the math because you're the, you're the math genius ratio guy. But I mean, we have, we have 13 full-time staff. Okay. And so just for perspective, what, when you're referring to the church across town, the av- in the traditional model of church, if you went to an average megachurch, you'd take the attendance, divide by 100, and you'd have about what the staffing is. So if, if you were considered a church of 3,000, let's say, just let's, let's be modest and say 3,000, um, the traditional staffing model would put about 30 full-time staff people into that. Yeah. And you said you're at what, about what? Well, we have 13, we have 13 full-time pastors and, you know, 3,000, I guess. So, yeah, that'll be great for the, the modest ratio, but we're able to hire a lot less. Yeah. And so there, there is, and then you're saying if, let's say you weren't doing the Sunday gathering for a minute, the large gathering or whatever day that you happen to do the large gathering. And it was purely the house churches for a minute. What would that do to your staff of your 13 staff? What's the allocation of how many of them are they exist on staff, paid staff to oversee the house church part versus the large gathering part? Uh, well, we also have a couple of people on staff that are helping all the house churches be employed in ministries locally yep. and globally. And so I would keep those people. Yep. Um, and I would keep myself as an overseer here. We have two full-time men who oversee house church. We would probably still have somebody without a Sunday gathering to oversee children's things because yep. there are things like there. we have kids at camp this week and parents, we still need to support parents across the way. So there are probably only about three or four of our existing team members that we would get rid of if we didn't have a Sunday gathering. Yeah. And even that you're, you're, so you're at nine or 10 staff at that point, And we're talking, you know, again, conservatively 15 to 1800 people in house churches. So you're, you're talking a, a staff of less than 10 for the 15 to 1800 people in house churches. And I think either way you look at it, whether it's at the large group gathering or the decentralized house churches, it, it is the staffing part of this is less paid staff members. You're, you are mobilizing uh, volunteers and lay leaders. So let, let's press into the house church leadership part for a minute. Um, what, what's the, what does it mean to be the leader of a house church? Is it the qualification kind of standard on it? Is that somebody who, if, if they came to you and said, I want to go plant a traditional church, is it is it the same standard as what somebody would go plant a church with a lot of money or something or different standard, same standard? How does the leadership of a house church compare to if if you were planting, you know, large, you know, funded churches kind of thing? 
Yeah. You know, we would at least say all the biblical expressions or qualifications uh, of an elder would be required for every house church pastor. But they may have different giftings, different wirings. Mm-hmm. We definitely have some house church pastors that can be and some are going to be pastoring their own yep. central church. But the majority of our house church pastors, that's not what they're called to do or gifted to do or want to do. The elder qualification is what you're applying, you're saying. So the qualification of an elder for a house church leader? Absolutely. Uh, you know, and I, I think beyond that, we would definitely be looking for some social acumen, some yeah. ability to handle people that, that would be beyond that list. But that list would absolutely be foundational for what we look at. Got it. Um, and is there a is is there some sort of you said this summer you're getting ready to birth a, a bunch more of the house churches? Is there like an apprenticing program or what's the leadership development pipeline look like with the house churches? Yeah, I mean, we really I love how Paul would go into a town, even if he was there for a night. We have a couple of examples of that. And he would I'm, I'm sure like it sounds like he was good at stay up all night teach them as much as he could, left town the next day, appointed two people to oversee this church. And then it seems like they would develop leaders themselves. And so we say a house church pastor begats a house church pastor, a house church begats a house church. And so whenever we have tried to transplant a person into an existing house church, it hasn't worked. And so when they multiply out of themselves, it's been natural and it's been beautiful and it's been lasting and enduring. So um, we we say the best apprenticeship is that you're in a house church for a while. The house church pastor gets to know you. They hear they hear your doctrine. They see how you love people. They see what you're willing to step into. They allow you to handle some situations. We do have a, some processes that are written down on paper to help house church pastors know what are you looking for? What do you start doing? When they think that they have someone who is ready and able and close to being able to be a house church pastor. Then they let one of our, I guess you would use the word overseer for that, no, the pastor who oversees house churches know, and then they meet. And we make sure biblically that they're really on point. We get into more acute ideas of doctrine, really explain this. And then we take them through an incubator. So they would go for a month away from their house church and do training weekly with our pastor who oversees all house churches. And then they're going to go back to their house church, and uh, when when it's they're ready to multiply, uh, we have some standards for that too. Then they're ready. So yeah, there is an apprenticing. It'd be time in a house church. They've been entrusted with some things. They've gone through an incubator, and then we launch them. Yep. What uh, for for somebody who would ask, how do the house churches differ from a small group in a traditional church? How are they the same, and how do they differ? Oh, it's it's a great question. In fact, the show that I'm doing for The Hub starting in a few weeks, it's one of the main questions I'm answering because people ask that all the time. What's the difference in a small group and a, and a house church? And what's the difference in a small group leader and a house church pastor? And I would at least say these things for the sake of time. I'll compress it here. But one would be expectation and identification. We are expecting this house church pastor to pastor this house church. I mean, we have house church pastors that do weddings, they do funerals, they're frontline of counseling. 
all benevolence happens in a house church. We're there to support them. We're there to train them. But they're there to do all of that. And when it gets above their head, like we had somebody uh, who went through a pretty difficult scenario of assault recently. House church pastor needed some support. He calls us. We're in. We walk with everybody through that. But they're the front line of counseling. And so uh, part of it is expectation. Part of it is identification. If we call them a leader, well, what are they leading? And for me, what's the gap between pastoring and leading and who's doing that? Because if our leaders are only pastoring up to a certain level, who's doing the rest of the pastoring? Is it the staff at the church? And how do we get to those people and how do they get to us? And so we have elevated the expectation and we've identified a house church pastor as the primary point pastor. And so now people know this is the person I go to for all of my pastoral needs. And then the house church pastor elevates it above us. So we've elevated the expectation and we've identified this person as the pastor. Oh, that's that's really good. I'm assuming, Jason, that when when we think about reproduction in this context, there's probably two different levels. There's reproduction of house churches. How do we multiply house churches? But then I'm assuming there's also, when you look at the church project Houston, there's another level of reproduction or multiplication, which is reproducing the whole thing to a different geographic area. Yeah. Are those the two levels of reproduction for what you're doing? Yes, they are. I mean, we, we would say we want to reproduce individuals from disciples making disciples. We want to reproduce house churches, and we also want to reproduce church projects. Those are our three levels of reproduction. How are we helping every person reproduce themselves in a discipleship relationship? And by the way, we're doing that in the thousands, uh, which is pretty cool. Uh, how do we multiply? We've just because of scaling issues, we've just made some leadership changes to help scale better our house churches. And we've also recently made some changes to help scale better reproduction reproduction of church projects. So those are our three levels of reproduction that we're really pressing in on. And we've recently, two of my favorite words to use together are reduce and refine. We've reduced other things and we've refined this process. And now we're we're heading back at it again in these three areas only. So how, how many times have you reproduced church project? Like, is it to other cities at this point or other locations in Houston or? Yeah, we've done that seven or eight times. Uh, we've had a couple of those not endure, but several of them have. We, church project Orange County is a beautiful community of believers with 10 or 15 house churches. Church project North County, which is uh, north of us, about 20 minutes away from where we are located in the Woodlands, they have 15 or 20 house churches, their own lead pastor. I've never preached there. They don't know my name. Uh, they have their own group of elders. And uh, we've done that in a couple of other cities as well. We have Church Project Winter Park, Colorado, which is really beautiful. I mean, right now we have about 25 or 30 people who are looking to plant church projects that are in a pipeline of conversations. And we have about 50 or 75 who are looking to plant a church project type of church without calling themselves church projects. So we started something recently called House Church Network to also help multiply churches 
that aren't going to carry the name Church Project, but they'll have this conviction of distributed pastoral leadership mm. and decentralized from a core. So we're we're working to begin that as well. What what are your biggest challenges to growth and reproduction? Yeah, I mean, patience for me would be my biggest personal challenge. I I hate not scaling more quickly. I don't understand why uh, scaling can't continue on, at the same rate infinitum. I don't understand that. So that's why we're we're working on our greatest challenge of scaling is reproducing house church pastors more quickly at the same quality. And um, so we want to make sure that we have the same quality of house church pastor, but reproduce more quickly. One of our challenges has also been quality control. We have most of our house churches that are really great, and we have some of them that are just okay. We've had a couple that are bad, but when we find that out, we step in pretty quickly. And so bad may be a bad, wrong word. We, yeah. We've had some that are weak. And so uh, quality control, uh, making sure that every house church is doing things incredibly well, reproducing at the same quality more quickly has been it. And then I would say as far as planting church projects go, you know, Todd, you're around church planters a lot, and I spend a significant amount of time around church planters. And it seems that everybody says they want to do something different, but when we start digging in, people are defaulting back to a rapid growth model that they've seen in some other networks or other places. And it it seems to not line up with what they've been convicted about and what they're convinced they don't want to do. But rapid growth seems to take over as the goal. And so we've talked to plenty of church planners who they really love what we're doing. But when they understand that this is going to be, you're going to be planting something very new that wherever you're planting, people aren't used to this yet. They they don't want to do that. They just want to get a lot of people together on a Sunday so they can pay their bills, you know? Hmm. Well, what uh, can you give us a website address if people want to just sort of take a look at the church project? Is there a website address to visit? Yeah, I would give you three. One would be churchproject.org. It's just our local church in the Woodlands. That'll give you an idea of what it looks like at a local place. Churchprojectnetwork.com is a place where you can look at planting a church project. We have processes there that you can get into and people will respond to you. And then we have housechurchnetwork.com. If somebody's looking to plant a church of house churches, a central church, which would could become a mega church or maybe not, but that would also plant many house churches, that would be housechurchnetwork.com. Hmm. All right. Jason, thanks for joining us today. Uh, this is uh, really intriguing. I'm excited to watch where things head here in the future and uh, appreciate your time. I'm honored. Todd, thank you for all that you and Exponential are doing for the kingdom, for the church. I'm grateful for your leadership. Well, thank you. 